Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. Welcome to episode 136 of There's Still Time, the AFTN podcast. I'm your host, Michael McCall, and we're bringing you the second of what is now our annual end-of-season State of the Whitecaps chat with Vancouver Whitecaps head coach, Carl Robinson. So Stephen and myself sat down with Robbo in the afternoon of Thursday, December 10th, just to have a, a big chat about the season that's been, his plans for the off-season and what 2016 and beyond might hold in store for the club. But as always in Whitecaps land and MLS land during the off-season, things can move at quite a fast pace. So we had our chat with Robbo before the the rumours of Stephen Betashur came out on Twitter, and before the confirmation on Friday that Pamaduka had signed a contract extension for one year. Now we're delighted to, to have Ka back for 2016, Great guy to talk to, great guy on the pitch, but in particular he has that veteran presence and he brings something to the locker room that I think it's kind of hard to put a value on. So it's great to see him back and it looks like the Whitecaps are going to need all the veteran presence they can because according to Christian Jack who broke the, the news on Twitter on Thursday afternoon, Stephen Betashur is getting traded to TFC. Now despite that story breaking on Thursday, there has been no confirmation yet from either the Whitecaps or Toronto FC or MLS. But by all accounts, it looks like there's just going to be a draft pick coming back the Whitecaps way. Still better than nothing that they would have got anyway if he'd gone in the re-entry draft on Friday. And it's also looking like Toronto are paying silly money for Betasure, way over the odds. And I have to say, I really don't think he is worth that money. For me, if the Whitecaps could have negotiated a deal to get him at 150000 max, less if possible, 120, 130, that would be the only way that I would have kept Betashur at the club. He was on 197000 this year, going into an option year that I believe was probably going to pay him something like 220000 230000 maybe even up to 240000 But doing a little bit of digging, it looks like Toronto FC are going to be paying him even more than that. So it's going to be interesting to see the MLS salaries when they come out next May, just to see exactly what they have paid for him. So anyway, there's no mention of any of that during our half-hour chat with Robbo. Another thing which we'll just mention just now, breaking news, which happened on Sunday. A big congratulations from all of us at AFTN to Whitecaps under-18 residency player and USL player, 
Caden Chung, who was voted the Canadian Soccer Under-17 Player of the Year, following in the footsteps of the likes of Bryce Alderson and Russell Tiber and Marco Carducci. So great recognition of Caden Chung and his his hopes for the future there, and a, a really good one for the Whitecaps. But anyway, enough of my waffling. Let's get to the meat of this episode and our chat with Robbo. You're going to hear a kind of tap, 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 creak, creak, creak in the background during various points of this interview. Nothing to do with chairs, nothing to do with our microphones. It was just raining cats and dogs. Unfortunately, we were in a room with a corrugated roof, so that's what you hear. So without any further ado, here's our State of the Whitecaps chat with Carl Robinson. Just to, to kick things off, it's been just over a month since the, the season ended. Looking back right now, what's your overlying feelings just about the year? I think the guys had a fantastic year. I really did. I thought that everyone will remember the way it finished and it finished uh, a little bit disappointingly because we, we got knocked out of the playoffs at home to the eventual champions. You know, so. That's no, nothing to be ashamed of, but I think just the way we performed, you know, after the 25th minute mark, first 25 minutes of the home game, I thought we were very, very strong and good, and things happened for reasons, and unfortunately, hitting the post and hitting the keeper's head and going wide, and Kakuta, who was arguably the most uh, biggest threat for us in that game, going off, maybe it's not your day, and it wasn't our day, um, so we had to take it on the chin, but we shouldn't get caught up in the disappointment because we finished second in the Western Conference and third in the whole league which is a major achievement for the football club No, obviously at the beginning of the season you would have taken that you know <laughs> yeah. and you know you would have done anything to take that in North America the you know the MLS Cup is the big thing in Europe it it's a totally different thing yeah. where the league is the bigger thing do you think uh, it, it, even though it ended with a whimper do, do you think it, it was a successful season overall because of that? Without a doubt, and you know, it, when, when we say it ended with a whimper, we got knocked out of, of playoff football. And you know, we're in the same situation. New York Red Bulls, New York Red Bulls won the Supporters Shield, and it's a fantastic achievement for them and Jesse. And it ended with a whimper with them because they didn't win MLS Cup. So you've got to keep it in into perspective here. Uh, it's about the season. Obviously, we finished uh, at the highest league position we ever have done. So that's credit to the football club and the group of players that I have. But. In MLS, it's about winning the MLS Cup and, and credit to Portland for doing that because they were on an amazing run and if you go on an amazing run, no matter what team you are, it shows that you can go and win the Cup. Like, when, when we're saying that, like, finish with a whimper, yeah, I mean, playoff can go either way, yes. but it's more the fact, two games, no goals. Yes. Do, and then seeing Portland going on to win it, do you see that as, like, a missed opportunity, that this could have been the year that... The Caps could have it, it, it could have been, but every team that was in the playoffs obviously thought that, and I generally did believe that we this could be the year that we could bring it home. Unfortunately, we weren't in good form. I think you know me being a super positive person as I am, tried to instill it into the players, and you know that even though we'd only scored three goals in the last ten games, we'd still be okay. And it shows how good we were during the season that managing to do that and still finish second is a good achievement, but. If you don't score a goal in a playoff game in two games, you don't deserve to win the cup, and that's the way I look at it. You know, it, we were disappointed. No, no one more self than me. 
Um, but if you don't score, you don't win. Uh, and probably if it went to penalties, I laughed and joked about it, we probably wouldn't have scored penalties. So it's one of them things. And like the Timbers, you've got not to about the Timbers, they end up winning the cup. Yeah. Being a Cascadian rival, the clubs came in MLS at the same time. They've been intertwined since the, the 70s, the whole history. Yep. Does it put added pressure now on the club that the Whitecaps now have to go and match with the Try and match it? No, I don't think so. I think if you look at the, the philosophies of both clubs, yeah, we come in at the same time. There's, there's a fantastic history, tradition with both clubs, uh, but we're different. You know, you look at the the playing models of the clubs, and you know we've got a new a number of young players, and they've got a, a number of experienced players. Um, you know, financially, I think we're different as well. So, you know, there's a lot of similarities, but there's a lot of differences. So, you know, it's does it hurt when they win it? No, not really. They deserve to win it, and credit to them, and it puts the Pacific Northwest on the map. You know, I think the the other rivals down the road will be a little bit more disappointed than than us. You know, sometimes you've got to hold your hand up and, and Caleb done a great job because with three or four games to go of the season, you know, they were outside the playoffs looking in and, you know, football's a funny game because, you know, you can be the best thing since sliced bread one week and the worst thing and, and losing your job the next week and it changes very quickly. So I, I'd like to give Portland, even though there are rivals, a lot of credit and especially Caleb because, you know, they fully deserve to win the MLS Cup after the run that they went on and, and yes, they beat us. Talking of the Cascadian rivals then, like Seattle, spin big. Portland, Spain, but not as big. And then Vancouver's kind of third in that. Rightly or wrongly, the perception of many people is that the club is frugal, kind of really tight with the purse strings. Is, is that fair? And do you think there's any way that that can change or does it need to change to go to the next level to meet these teams? No, we have, we have three designated players, as we all know. Obviously, there's a... Uh, the club are very good to me, uh, the ownership group and, and the way they back me in, in players that I want. And, you know, I made it clear from day one I want to go a young way. I want to build a club. You know, there's too many uh, managers in this league that try and fix things in the short term. And, you know, with seasoned veterans and an older team and then eventually you have to uh, rebuild again or the manager leaves. And, and what I made clear from day one is that you know, I understand the the remit that I was working under, and you know they're they're fully behind me. But I want to go young. You know, we've got some fantastic young players here, and with a lot of talent. And you know, we're not going to spend the like the, the money that other teams do, and we know that. And I'm clear with that, and uh, and I accept that. You know, my job is to uh, recruit some of the best young players I can, develop, coach, and make them better. And if we're successful along the way, which we all want to, I know the, the way the city is, and what the fans demand you know it's a great city to to work in uh, but I know the expectation that comes with it and you know I'm happy with that now, now your first season was the best season for the Whitecaps in MLS uh, and then a lot of people expect the second season for a coach to dip a little bit but you actually improved on that how realistic is it for you to keep rising up like 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 in perception of you know where you're coming from and what can you do to keep that momentum going up? Yeah, I think that's the that's the biggest thing of football is when you, when you do well, suddenly expectations rise, and when you're in a city that you know demands success, whether you're playing soccer or, or American football or hockey, um, that's part and parcel of the job. So, what you got to remember is in Major League Soccer, there's 19 other teams that are trying to win. Uh, Portland's Cup next year. Uh, we're one of that te- one of a number of teams. Every team's going to go uh, different avenues to try and get success. Whether it's spending more money, whether it's recruiting young players, whether it's trading. 
things like that. So, you know, we've got our model. We won't shy away from our model. I want to bring in additional players to help help the squad move forward from last year. Um, you know, it'll mean more more game time for younger players, which you know is always going to be the the big thing at this club. But you know, I never want to be a club that stands still. Uh, I can't guarantee that we'll always get better each year, um, but we'll keep progressing as a club, whether it's in front of everyone's eyes or behind behind the scenes and you know as long as we keep doing that then you know I'm doing my job Got to talk about the goal scoring it improved from, <laughs> from the season before because I know you made the joke that it was three more and if you get three more next year that's good the number of goals doesn't really matter really as long as you get the result is yeah. basically what it boils down to you've made it clear that one of your key priorities again is to bring in a goal scorer are you looking to bring in that goal scorer as the main striker? Are we talking like DP calibre? No. So you see Rivero as being your number one striker? Still? Yeah, uh, Octavio was obviously starting off like a house on fire and um, you know probably too well for him because expectation after one month or two months, suddenly people are talking about him being one of the best young players in the league and, and the way we ended, not just him, but we ended, we, you know, we weren't scoring enough goals and suddenly you go from being the best to the worst and listen Octavio's certainly not the best and he's certainly not the worst but he's got fantastic talent and he's someone that I'm looking forward to working with next year you know will we bring someone in to replace him no we'll bring someone in to help him you know whether that means a slight adjustment of the formation we need goals in our team and you know when I joked about scoring three more it was an improvement you know we, we kept our our back uh, record very strong and I think in any competition in any league that you need to make sure that you don't give too many goals away Portland had their problems during the year of scoring goals similar to us and caught fire at the right time and they were strong and solid at the back we were strong and solid at the back we didn't catch fire towards the end which is why we didn't win the cup so there'll be additional players coming in to help us um, but the core of the group will, will remain and uh, we'll continue to move forward with that group and you know there's not going to be drastic changes I was part of an organisation for three years which had 60-70 players coming in through the door and there's no continuity there's no structure to it and it didn't help anyone um, that won't happen here you know we'll We've invested in these young players, and Octavio is one of them, and we'll continue to move forward with him because we firmly believe he's got a, a fantastic, bright future ahead of him with this football club. How, when the players you're bringing in, how important is it for the formation, like how flexible they are in each formation? How flexible are you going to be next year in changing that formation? Well, I think we were very, very strong at certain aspects of the game, whether it's you know the the quick counter attacking in transition, we were very good, and at certain times we were. We were good uh, playing through teams, but maybe going around teams we weren't so good at because we didn't have enough uh, bodies in the box, which is why people then talk about formations and, and whether we haven't got the right personnel in key positions. You know, football's not co- not complicated. It really isn't. And there's, there's two or three ways of breaking teams down. You know, we didn't probably have the personnel able to break teams down when plan A didn't work. And when your players are not in form and things aren't working and you've got a factor in the opposition who are doing a good job, then you've got to find solutions. And, you know, we didn't find enough solutions last year um, in certain games. You know, we, we were very strong and positive in, in other games and, you know, we were exciting to watch. Um, so we'll, we'll look for different personnel, different types of players in, in key areas. And that will give us a balance then of if plan A is not working, maybe plan B. And if plan B is not working, plan C, whether it's a tweak of a formation or whatever. Are you hoping to bring in players that's got MLS experience, whether it's like younger or older? But is that something that, that you feel is important to the club for 
the next stage of the, the development. I think it, it. I think it is important. Uh, is it the be all and end all? No, because you know if you look at David Usted, you look at Kendall Lawson now. Three years they've been in the league. Two years Jordan Harvey been in for ten plus years. You know Tim Parker's got a year's experience. Matty Lab has been in for three years. So the the guys have are not brand new to the league. There were there might be a player or two that comes in brand new to the league, but. And there might be a player or two that comes in that has got league experience. But I want good players in the team. And as I said to you, it doesn't matter where, what part of the world you're from. Uh, it doesn't matter whether you've got experience or not. Because, you know, is MLS experience crucial if you go and get a premiership veteran who's played in the EPL for 10 years? Um, no, you can't sign in because I want uh, MLS experience. Well, you know, I'm not naive enough to do that. So, you know, we'll, we'll look at all avenues. How easy is it? To get an MLS player, difficult. Like say, like say you said, right? I want Kai Kamari. Yeah. He's the guy I want up front, or I want Will Johnson. Yeah. I, I mean, you you come from a background where clubs just go and bed, and obviously you can't do that here. Yeah. What? Just to kind of let folk know, what do you have to go through if you want to try and and bring one of those guys in? Yeah, it's 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 a difficult process. Um, but what happens is obviously the club has to make contact with the opposition club, so. You know, if we were using uh, Columbus as an example, we'd, I'd, I'd have to either call Greg or Berhalter and ask him if there's any possibility he would look at moving a certain player. Um, if he says yes, then then the conversation start about what would it take, what have I got to offer. If he says no, end the conversation. You know what happens in the league a number of times is that uh, people try and find out who you're moving. Uh, when they call you, rather than you know, I'm a firm believer of if someone calls you, then they obviously would like to do something. Unload something. So I actually say, well, when someone calls me, uh, yeah, what, what would you like? What do you want? And, you know, I think sometimes a lot of it is fishing. A lot of it is trying to find out what roster moves you're making. But the amount of conversations you have with other managers in the league is you know, probably less than 15, 20% get done out of so many conversations. So it is very difficult to trade in the league. And now and again, you'll see a blockbuster trade, which happens. Uh, but the amount of conversations you have compared to the amount of trades that go through is very minimal. One of the players you brought in last year, and he was very dynamic, he came in after the season started, Christian Teixeira. Um, what is the latest with him? Uh, you know, was their fee already arranged with the club? And are they, you know, what, what, I know it's probably negotiations still right now. What can you yeah. tell us about him? We've had to go down the route of maybe some loans over the, you know, these last two years. And, you know, Price fees on players, Central South American please, players are, you know, uh, high, as we all know. But, you know, we're, we're not a club that can spend fortunes. So, you know, we look at possible loan markets. And when you do that, we always make sure that we put in an agreement that uh, a fee is, is to be set. If they do well, then obviously the fee is there. And usually sometimes it's can go higher if you don't do that then you know if he has a fantastic year then suddenly it gets doubled or tripled so there was a there was a, an agreement with Christian's representatives you know we, I'd like to bring him back to the club because I think he was you know a, a magician at times for us and he helped us when we were in that good run of form and I still think there's more to come from him so we're in advanced talks um, you know nothing's done yet uh, but we'd like to try and keep him here because he's an exciting player and he fits the mould of what this club wants to do Big announcement yesterday was obviously the increase in TAM. Did you know that was coming? I mean, had you had a heads up that that was going to be happening, or how has does that affect what you've 
had planned or do you have to kind of revisit stuff now? No, uh, we did know it was coming, uh, so it was nothing that was out of the out of the blue for us. Obviously, I think it shocked a, a number of people, but uh, and now the questions will begin. So and now the, um, obviously people will look for answers, but you know it's, it, we knew about it. It's pretty simple. It, it allows us a little bit of flexibility to bring in some. Uh, players probably that are in between the DP status and the, the max salary status so you can use it as you wish you can use it all in one you can use it um, save it you can trade it you can do what you want with it and every club will have a different you know, idea of what they want to do and you know teams will spend it and other teams will save it so you know, it won't change what we do, um, what our plans are. We know, I know what I would like to do moving forward in the next year, but also the next two and three years. So uh, there's a plan in place. It won't alter that. It will help in certain areas, and you know, but nothing will deviate from from what I've planned. And the, the three DPs that the club currently have, you can obviously use time to get them out with being DPs. Yes. Is that something you might want to look at? Obviously, not going to get you to confirm it, but. Would you consider getting them no longer being DPs to allow you to bring some more DPs? Well, I think in? that's why the the league had uh, spoke to the owners and, uh, and talked about doing that. Yes, um, but no, the three DPs that we have will be our three DPs moving forward next year. No, uh, obviously, Tam has complicated things more for the average fan. For yourself, do you f- do you feel like it gives you more flexibility, or would you prefer like? They just increase the salary cap by that much, and you just play around with that money instead. Or does the flexibility of you know, using that and carrying it over from year to year or trading it uh, give you, give you more options? Yeah, you know, there's a number of ways of looking at it, and you know, it does have restrictions to it. The time money, you know, and I think it's it's looking at those players that were probably new into the league, uh, earning that mid-range. Uh, salaries six, seven, eight hundred thousand dollars. That it allows you to keep them without affecting the DP status and your salary cap. So, um, you know, there's a number of ways you can look at it. it. As long as you use it correctly and you spend it wisely, then you know you should be able to strengthen your squad in the right way. And you know, it won't change me. You know, if if I uh, got a number of or a figure that I wanted to bring a player in, i.e., uh, uh, a winger. For four hundred thousand, the TAM money allows you maybe to look at something for six hundred thousand. So, it will allow you a little bit of flexibility. But it comes down to recruitment in this game, and that's all it is. You know, if you if you're unable to do as many trades as you like, which you're not, because it is hard enough dealing with other clubs and other people. Because if you want one of their good players, they want one of your good players, and you usually in a trade get a player that's either out of form, uh, too too much overpaid, or been injured then you've got to look at your recruitment and I think we've got a good record of our recruitment and identifying players. Is, is TAM something you can use with David Eistate? And like, where are things with David just now? Yeah, no, David will be back next year. Obviously, David's a big part of, of, of my squad and my team moving forward. So we've picked David's option up. So David will be back, hopefully healthy and looking forward to next season. So there's a number of ways you can use TAM money, whether it's on... You know, existing players that sign new contracts, or whether it's on uh, new players coming into the league. So, um, there's two or three ways you can go. Not just with David, but with a number of players in 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 my squad and in other teams as well. So it's it's what's best suited to you, depending on what cap situation you're in. Because, unfortunately, the way the league is structured, or fortunately, the way the league structured is, you have to make changes at certain times, and and due to that, 
you know, there's a number of reasons why, and, and the salary cap is one. And sometimes you have to take a short-term hit to get medium and long-term gain. Talking of goalkeepers, Paolo Tonaghi's moved on. Uh, you said last week that Marco Carducci and Spencer Ritchie would fight out for the number two spot. The other player that could possibly have been here is Callum Irvin. Yeah. Now, we've heard two different versions as to why he's coming. One, it's the club's fault because they didn't get him in for training. Two, it was the player's choice because okay. he wanted to go into the draft. Yeah. Do the Caps still have his homegrown rights or is he going into no, the draft? No, to, to keep... A, to keep I, I believe he's going into the draft. And, you know, you know, I need to be clear with this from my perspective is I will never stop a young player wanting to go and play football somewhere else. You know, whether it's a, a, a white caps player, whether it's a young homegrown player, if you make it clear to me that you don't want to be at a football club, then you won't be here. And I've got no problems with that. Um, the two stories that you've heard, I've heard the same two stories as well. So, you know, I can say that with a smile on my face because, uh, you know, there were numerous reports about certain things. And listen, you know, if, if someone wants to go a different avenue, I've got no problems with that. You know, I like Callum. He's a good kid. Uh, hopefully, you know, he gets picked up in the draft, which he will. You know, we have other young goalkeepers that we value and, and rate very highly in Spencer Ritchie and Marco Carducci and Sean Melvin. So, you know, to have another young goalkeeper probably wasn't the right time for us because, you know, I have full faith in Marius. He, he has a great eye on young goalkeepers and with Reagan, and, you know, we do a good job in relation to that. So, with, with all footballing decisions there's a difference of opinion and as I said I, you know, I like Callum and hopefully you know, it works out for him Speaking uh, speaking of developing players obviously it's a big philosophy in this in this club where do you like as a, as a coach as a talent evaluator where do you see like where you have to tell that young player that it's time to move on um, obviously is it an age thing is it a tangible thing that you see in the player and are you always worried that maybe he might be a late bloomer and develop somewhere else later? Is that like a risk that you might keep somebody on maybe for too long then? Yeah, listen, there's no set way in, in any player development. And whether you're a Kian's Froze, Marcus Bustos at 19, 20 years of age, whether you're a Caden Chung at 16, whether you're a, uh, a Christian Tachero at 23, 24 years of age, there's no, there's not one pathway. There's seven, eight, nine different pathways. And you know what I, the expectations I set on my young players Kian's for example was involved in 10 games last year I think he started one game and he came off the bench in Major League Soccer in 9 games his challenge next year is to do more than that he needs to be involved in 15 games he needs to get 5 starts Marcus Bustos needs to try and be involved in 10 games and I'll challenge my players individually to get better um, with competition between themselves and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. And, and when a player doesn't play as many minutes and games as he would like, it doesn't mean he's had a bad season because you can develop a number of ways, whether it's by minutes or whether it's by in your training habits, whether it's in your professionalism, whether it's in your mental approach. And, you know, we've got a number of players last year that didn't play as many minutes as they would like, but I tell you what, they've come on leaps and bounds on the mental side of it. And you'll see the fruition of that this year because there'll be certain players that are moved on uh, and there'll be young players that are given more minutes and time because um, some people might say it was a difficult year from last year or they didn't get as many minutes as they would like. Well, now's your opportunity to get minutes this year. And, and that model won't change from this club. You know, I, I will never stop one of my talented young players or block a pathway at this club because how do you judge success? Number of, re number of ways. I judge it on developing and coaching young players to get more minutes. 
other people will judge me on results. I've got to find the mix and the balance of that, which is not easy because in every club that sometimes there's always change. Obviously, on your roster itself, there's like you like there's a heavy set in, in, in the defensive midfielders. Do you take that? No, you're okay. You're, you're, you're kind Montreal. of you're it's kind fine. of you kind of <laughs> set in uh, defensive midfielders. Yeah. Uh, you got Lava, you got Kofi, you got Tiber, yeah. and you got and you want to bring Debbie Flores back. Uh, McKendry's there as well. Yeah, who got the WFC two Player of the Year? Is there is there tradable assets there where you want to maybe? Obviously, you're not going to reveal everything, but yeah. is there an options there where you can move something and maybe improve somewhere else? Yes, without a doubt. And the good thing about young players, exciting young players, and yes, they make mistakes, and yes, you know you're inconsistent at, at, at times, but they've got value in the league. Uh, and I field numerous calls on my young players on a weekly basis about what I would do and would I take this and would I take that and you know the majority of the time I say no you know will, will that happen and change this year maybe because we're two years in and we're trying to get to the next level and if I believe that we could there's no sentiment involved with any of the players you know I have a good relationship working relationship with all of them and I like them and I respect them and hopefully they do the same to me and I want to win I'm a winner and if I feel it's right to move someone on then I will be uh, for their own good as well as you know, mine the clubs and, and the team's benefit moving forward How busy do you expect to be in the off-season? And last year there was a Christmas Day announcement can fans expect anything like that again? <laughs> Maybe or? we're signing Santa Claus Yeah, <laughs> no uh, you know we're constantly working and you know I said to a number of people I've actually been busy since the season's finished which is normal and I accept that and I understand that you know I will have a break you might not be hearing from me on Christmas day I will I will you know and I think you've got to give me that one that day off but I know they liked Octavio with last year though on Christmas day which was like the most bizarre thing yeah uh, yeah speak to Nathan about that one um, no we're looking at players but you know People sometimes want to run before they can walk and everyone wants... The season's just finished literally three or four days ago from the last MLS Cup Cup game. And you all want your players in and clubs will tell you they want to try and get the business done sooner rather than later. You know, and what I look at is if there's a player that I want, then I'll try and get it done as soon as I can. If there's a player that I want but I can't have at the moment then I won't rush into any decision. And, you know, there's no need to make it a, a rash decision now because we've still got six weeks, eight weeks before pre-season camp starts. What I would like is is to be pretty much set, if I can, before camp starts. If it can't, and I know that there's a target I might be able to get a la Christian Tachira last year, then then I'll be patient. So, you know, there's nothing imminent, which is what I'll say to you. We're in talks with a number of players and, and we're looking. My coaches, obviously, are back in Europe at the moment, scouting a number of players. Uh, I've got people all over the place looking and, you know... Maybe you'll hear about three players in three days. That might happen as well because that's the way we work, and you know you can't put a, a timescale on certain targets. But you know we're looking at a, a number of players trying to bring them in next year. And obviously you're going back home for for Christmas. Do you have any trips planned before that for scouting, or are you hoping to see some? No, I, w- I went back? to obviously I went to Panama to watch Panama Costa Rica. I, I might I go away on on Monday, so. Uh, It'll be nice for my wife to see her family, uh, but I will be travelling in, in Europe. There's a number of games I'm going to watch. There's a number of players I'm going to watch there, and I'll be hopping on a plane from from there as well. So uh, I know what I would like to happen. Whether it will happen is is a different thing. But you know, my work won't stop there. It might over two or three days over Christmas. 
Um, there's there's so many in MLS. There's so many mechanisms of you know getting players here and there, and if, weird rules. Yeah, weird rules. If if you were if you were Don Garber for a day, I don't know if you want to be Don Garber for a day because it's a tough tough job for him too. Is there one thing or a couple things you would change that would make it more like everywhere else? No, I wouldn't like to be Don Garber. I, I respect Don. Obviously, is a difficult job and. You know, I'll leave that answer to Don. You should ask Don that one. I, I don't want to change nothing. My job's hard enough, and I enjoy coaching. I enjoy managing, and I enjoy being on the field. So, but I'm one of 20 head coaches that find it difficult as it is. So, and there are rules and regulations and things like that which are hard enough to keep track of. I guess one of the rules is not being Don Garber for the day. Yes, <laughs> yeah, because it's a difficult job. Like when you were a player, you obviously played on Boxing Day, New Year's Day. Yeah. You've been here since 2007, was it, you came? 2007, I joined Toronto, yeah. So you've had all these years where you've not been involved at Christmas. How good is it, as a family man, not to have that? Or do you miss the buzz? Because I I love the Boxing Day games, I love the New Year's games. I mean, do you miss it? I do. I do miss the buzz. And I go back home and I go to a game on Boxing Day. Because that's what I'm brought up with and I'm used to doing that. And I go to a game on New Year's Day. And they've changed that now, and it's January third or something like that. I know, so it doesn't feel the same. But I think they've listened to a number of people. But Boxing Days, Boxing Days, a football day. You know, it's and it's a family day. Of course, it is for the people who don't like football. But it's a football day for people who like football, and I'm certainly a Boxing Day guy. Yeah, I really miss it as well. <laughs> um, last thing, you 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 had your plan for being a manager, and you kind of went into that a little bit earlier than you had hoped because it well not hoped but had planned because you worked to be assistant manager for yeah. seven years you said correct so you've now had two years as a manager you're building something that feels really special here yeah what would it take now to tempt you away <laughs> <laughs> I love Boxing Day football <laughs> you know football's very very strange and when I mean that, it's the, it's, the, it's the best game in the world, and people know that. And it's things happen for different reasons. And you know, I, I, as you said there, it was I wanted to. You plan out your life in a, in a certain way, and I wanted to be a player for a number of years. And you, when you play professional football, you want to be an international footballer, and then you do that, and then you talk about, think about coaching, and you want to be a player coach, and assistant coach, and head coach. It was it come upon me sooner because I planned out this perfect life. Life's not perfect, and we all know that. And you know, I've been two years as a head coach now, uh, and I'm enjoying being here. You know, it's a fantastic city. We know that it's got a fantastic group of supporters. That I think you see in the Portland game at the last last game, it's special. It's very special. And with that comes pressure. Well, good. I don't mind pressure because uh, I generally look at pressure being, you know everyone's got pressure they have to support their families they have to put food on their table and they have to have a job whether it's a, a nine to five job or a seven to seven job and you know I, I'm lucky because I have a job that I love doing and you know not everyone can say that but it's a special club you know the the ownership group here is fantastic support to me I get on great with them and, and they're open to my plans and my plans are to try and build this football club to be successful for a number of years so I'm happy here you know, and you know, I can see myself being here as long as they want me here at the moment. And you know, football's funny; it changes at the drop of a hat. So, um, as I said, I'm happy here. I'm looking forward to next year uh, and the year after, and the year after, and the year after. But 
you know, am I going to be here in 10 years? Who knows? You know, it might be 10 minutes, <laughs> the way football works out, I don't know. So, But when you're happy, you enjoy it. And I certainly enjoy being part of this football club and speaking to you guys and, and picking a team to play in front of these crazy supporters because, you know, when you sample the Portland thing on, on the last game of the season, phew, there's so much potential here, it's crazy. Uh, and I love potential. So you're not going to Swansea then? <laughs> Boxing day. <laughs> Thanks so much for doing this, Carol. No uh, worries. A safe trip home, and we'll see you in the year. Okay, thank That's you. Great. Thanks, Thanks. mate. So thanks to Carl Robinson for taking time to, to chat with Stephen myself just before he jets back home to, to Wales for Christmas and to take in some football matches. Lucky him. A lot of stuff coming out from Robbo there as to his direction for the club going forward. I'm sure there was some things in there that will make some people raise eyebrows. The fact that it doesn't look like Tam is going to be used to, to buy any of the DPs down so that there can be any more DP additions. I think a few folk might be surprised by that. Also the fact that he said that Octavio Rivero is going to be his number one striker, so not to, not to expect a big name or a big splash for that as well. What I do think we'll see though is that I think we'll probably see two more strikers added. Somebody that can push and challenge Rivero for that starter spot, and then somebody to kind of take in the, the Robert Earnshaw role, but hopefully get more minutes, and someone that's a difference maker that can come off the bench, someone that maybe brings something a little bit different to the team as well, maybe a, a taller guy, someone that's good in the air, someone that is a more physical presence inside the box. Yep, Rivero has that potential to be that, but a lot of the time this year, his work was done outside the box. And I think what the Whitecaps need and what Rob is going to look for going into the 2016 season is a, a kind of, and we talked about this in, in the last podcast, an Alan Gordon, Connor Casey style player that is maybe going to be someone that can just bring something different off the bench. I don't think we're going to see either of those guys here, by the way, because looking into it a little bit, neither of them really want to come and play in turf. So... I don't think we're going to see any of them here soon, but I think we are going to see somebody joining that will be off that ilk. So as we said, a really good chat with Robbo there. And we have a little bit extra for you now, because I also got a chance to catch up with WFC2 coach Alan Koch. Headed to Burnaby Lake last month, where the USL team were having a post-season November mini-camp. A number of the players that are going to be with WFC2 next year were there. There's 13 signed altogether, and there was a number of trialists there for a few weeks. I took in a few sessions, it was good to see the guys kind of putting in that work. It's something which, as you'll hear, a lot of other USL teams don't do. So it's something that will hopefully set WFC2 up for good stead now moving forward into their second USL season. From what I saw, there was definitely a lot of hard work getting put in and a lot of fun as well. The the coaching staff had developed a kind of bastardised version of netball and Gaelic football for the the guys to kind of have a bit of fun with as well. So that that was fun to see. So... So a lot of team bonding going on, which of course didn't happen with the the way that the team was put together at short notice in, in February really going forward this year. So as I said, I had a chance to catch up with Alan Koch. So let's hear from Alan now, just looking back at Whitecaps 2 season and looking ahead to 2016. 
wanted to ask first of all, just like season's been finished a few weeks now. Looking back at it, what is your what, what's the biggest learning things that you're taking from it now, moving into next year? I think for myself, for my staff, for all of our players, for the club, it's a good understanding what the level of the league is like. Um, going into the league, I think we had a, a decent idea, but until you do anything for the first time, you don't really know. Um, so it's given us a good chance now the last few weeks to reflect on what worked, what didn't work, get a gauge of what we need to adjust uh, and make sure we're good to go right at the beginning for, for next year. Um, you look at our preseason this last year, it's... Yeah. I came into the job late, uh, we hit the ground running and we tried to make the most of what we could, but in a short amount of time there's only so much you can do. I think us training now post-season has really given us a good chance to work with the guys, uh, the players that have played here before know exactly what it takes, yeah. uh, and I think this will help us get ourselves ready for, for next preseason. By having this camp, do other teams, do you know, like in USL, have this kind of stuff, or is this kind of an unusual thing? Yeah, it's it's new. Having spoken to a few of the other teams, some of them have tried to do something similar. Uh, some trained for a few weeks after the season. Uh, we trained for a few weeks, and we took a little bit of a break, and then came back. Uh, we brought in quite a few trialists during the month of November. Um, so there are some that have done it. I don't think anybody's gone quite as long as us, as far as I'm aware. But we're lucky, obviously, in Vancouver, we, we can train. It's colder, oh, yeah. but we can continue to train yeah. until now. Now, you've got, uh, at the moment, 13 signed. Do you envisage adding too many more to that? Because you don't want to maybe have too many and then you're not getting the minutes because of all the MLS stuff. It's just it's a weird juggling act, yeah. Yeah, we won't be adding too many more. There definitely will be a few more, but not that many more. Obviously, as you know, the players that come down from the MLS, we've got to give them playing time. Yeah. But we've also we've signed a few of our academy kids, and we're yeah. going to continue to look at a few more of the academy kids to, to give them the opportunity. Um, with the eligibility rules in terms of going to NCAA, we can actually work with them and include them as much as we can until they okay. go to until they can go to college. Um, so there could be guys that aren't even signed as pros that we could include uh, in right. the squad or include in the 18 and, and give them a taste and then see what they like and then make decisions on them. And then obviously the drafts come up. Like you were always scouting last week or watching yeah. some games anyway. Do you think the club's going to be busy in the draft? How much importance does the draft have these days when you're bringing through all your own talent? That's well, a good, good question. So many people have asked me recently, what's the validity of the draft? Um, I think the best way to answer that is Tim Barker. So yeah. there's a lot of validity in what we... We did a lot of work to, to go source Tim last year and we were lucky enough to pick him when we did. Um, so somebody like him adds validity to it. Another player that we've... Uh, we're bringing back is Spencer Ritchie too, so there's validity in it there too. Uh, and Spencer wasn't picked in the, in the first round, so there are players in the draft. Um, there's some quality, and there's obviously some players that aren't good enough. So it is a lottery, um, yeah. but I feel like we've done a lot of research this year, and I've gone out and watched a lot of games that we're going to be as best prepared as we possibly can be, and then go play the game of this is the pick that we have and see who's available at that time. And just last thing, like preseason plans, I. Do you see this group going, like working with the first team more, or are you going to do your own preseason thing? Are you going to go away maybe for some games outside? Yeah, we've PC we've or? had a, we've had a lot of meetings about it in terms of how do we bring it all together. Obviously, finances play a big big role of that in terms of how many players we can send to different places. But we will have a few of our USL guys go with the first team on some preseason trips. We'll run our own uh, preseason too, uh, and then we'll do certain things together. Um, so it's tough to. So if we have a small group, and then obviously the first team has a bigger group. It's tough to merge everybody together because it'd be yeah. too big, too big a group. But we will we'll have movement going back and forth between both groups, and then obviously the closer we get to the first game in the USL, we'll start to get a few of the MLS guys coming down into our environment to get a taste, so they understand what the team's about and get ourselves ready for that league. That's great. Thanks so much, Alan. Awesome. We'll see you next year. Cool. Thanks, Thanks. Thanks. Cheers. Cheers.
We call this land South Africa The Cape of Hope to the Northern Star But the hope and peace will never be apart So Alan Koch there, talking about WFC2's first season in USL Plans for the future and what the Caps might get up to in this year's Super Draft. So that's it for this episode of the podcast. Thanks for listening. Big thanks to Carl Robinson and Alan Koch for taking time out to speak to us. also want to give a big thanks to Whitecaps Media Liaison Nathan Vanstone for working around Steve and myself's schedule to, to get the chat with Robo happening. We hope you enjoyed listening to, to both of the coaches there. Definitely exciting times lie ahead in 2016. Can the Whitecaps be even better than they were in 2015? It's going to be tough. Everyone in the West is spending money and improving. It's going to be really interesting to see what the Caps do in this off-season period. I think it's going to be a very busy January, both with people coming in and with some people leaving as well. So keep an eye out for that. We'll be back soon with the podcast. We have a few coming your way in the next few weeks. We're going to have our Christmas special where we are chatting with a number of the White Cats players just about Christmas traditions, favourite Christmas presents, things like that. We're going to have a New Year's Day game show special as well. And we also have a couple of round tables which we recorded last week. One looking at the season that's just passed and what the White Cats can learn from that going forward and, and where they stand five years now into their, their MLS era. And the second one is going to be a look at what lies ahead for the Whitecaps in 2016 and beyond. So as always, keep an eye on Twitter at AFTN Canada and on our website AFTN.ca to see when these things come out. Going to have a, a number of other things on the website as well for just kind of end of season stuff, our annual awards that we give, some fun sections and working on trying to bring you something a a little bit fun and special for Christmas Day as well. So keep an eye on AFTN.ca for that. So as always, thanks for listening. I'm Michael McCall. As I said, you can find me on Twitter at AFTNCanada. Shoot us an email about anything as well at AFTNCanada at Hotmail.com. So until we meet again, thanks for listening, take care, and as always, Mon the Caps! Going to your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life.